Welcome, thanks for joining us. You're about to hear a message from our Wednesday night Solid Rock Youth Group service. Solid Rock is a ministry of Living Word Family Church, and if you'd like to know more, check us out on our website at www.livingwordfamily.org. Anytime that I have a chance to put the notes on there, I'll let you guys know so that you can look them up. Um, but I want to share a couple things with you real quick tonight. And uh, have you ever felt have you ever felt left out of a group? Like there's a group of people doing something, and they're like, they don't want you in their group, and you can feel it. They may not even say it, but you can feel that you don't have a place in that group. Have you guys ever been that? Have you ever had that? Have you ever really? Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been a part of a friend group or a circle of friends and they actively cast you out? They kind of like turn their backs on you. Have you ever had that happen? I think pretty much everybody to some extent, if you deal with people, have had some of these things happen to some extent. Well, I want to compare that to something. When you feel left out of a group or when you feel cast out like they all of a sudden turn against you, and you may not even, they may not even give you a reason. It's like, nope, we don't feel like you're not cool anymore. We don't feel like hanging with you anymore. We, we're going a different, whatever the case is, right? How does that, I want you to think about, I want you to internalize that just a little bit. How does that, how does that make you feel? You're like, what did I do wrong? Why don't you accept me? One of the other things we can start to think is, what can I do or change to be accepted back into that group? How often are we willing to change something that's part of who we are, part of how God made us, personality traits, character traits, likes, dislikes, stuff like that, if we're willing to change that just to be accepted back into this group, okay? How often are we willing to sacrifice certain things that we believe in to be accepted by a certain group of people? Now, I want to show, this is the first scripture we've got in John chapter 15, verse 18. It's a little bit long, but I want to read it through here, and we're going to break it down just a little bit. In John 15... Starting in verse 18, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one loves its own, as one of its own if you belonged to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than a master, and since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they listen to me, they will listen to you. They will do all, excuse me, they will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. And if I hadn't done such miracle sign, miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything that I did, and yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in the scriptures. They hated me without cause. But I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth, and he will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me, and you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. He's addressing his disciples here. Um, but he can say the same thing to us. We're with him. We need to testify about him, and the Holy Spirit helps us to do that. Verse, or, uh, chapter 16, I have told you these things because you won't, so that you won't abandon your faith, for you will be expelled from the synagogues, now, he's talking to his disciples here, and what were his disciples? Jews, right? He's basically saying, he's basically saying, everything that you have known is going to turn against you. The synagogue that you used to be a part of and the friends you used to have are going to kick you out because you belong to me, and they have denied me, rejected me, and they're going to reject you. Okay? So when we read synagogues here, we can read that as in, 
the world around us, our friend group. Some people are going to reject us by, just by the very act of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. They may not even know why. And we'll get to that verse here in just a minute. They may not even understand why, but all of a sudden, there's just something they have against you, okay? Uh, you'll be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. I have read, we are not quite there yet, okay? There was some really hard persecution time, and there have been throughout the ages. We're not there yet in this country, okay? There have been entire people groups that have been wiped out because they were followers of Jesus Christ, okay? Uh, the Armenian Christians, and I don't know the whole history behind all of that, but that was one of the, one of the more recent, I think. It was, probably, it was circa World War II, maybe, give or take, maybe before World War II. Um, I'd, have to, I'd have to do a little more research on it. Anyway, uh, the Armenian Christians were murdered by the thousands because they were followers of Christ. Jesus has given us this warning, okay? And at some point, people will think that they're doing the world a favor by getting rid of you, okay? They're doing the world a favor because you're no good. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a little while longer. So what's Jesus telling them here? Jesus is saying, be prepared. They hated me. You belong to me, so they're going to hate you. Okay? We can do all kinds of things to get friendly with the world, with people around us. We can sacrifice who we are. We can sacrifice our faith. We can sacrifice our knowledge in the Son of God and what we, are, we know that he has called us to do. He has called us to be like him. He has called us to be salt and light. He has called us to share our faith. But we can back away from that so that we can, again, be accepted by the world. What would have happened if his disciples cast that away forgetting about it and citing, I don't want anything to do with that because I don't want to miss... I, we have a potluck dinner every Saturday at my synagogue, and it is amazing. I don't want to miss out on that. My friends get together every Friday night, and they have a big movie night at my friend's house. I don't want to miss out on that. What do I got to do to get back into this friend group? What do I got to do to get back into their good graces? I don't do anything. I don't want to be left out. I don't want to be cast out. What's Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, if you belong to me, this is going to happen. Okay? And I'm not trying to paint you a grim picture. I'm simply trying to let you know that Jesus called this out a very long time ago. He told us that this was coming. When we belong to him, the world rejects us by its very nature. Like I said, there are some people, and, I, and, and again, and I'm not going to bring this up every single week. It's just so much stuff about it in the news. We see protesters and rioters, and we see people that are just absolutely brimming with hatred, just visceral hatred towards a history of a country, towards a people, towards a certain race of people. I mean, just, man, just teeth bared hatred, okay? Uh, there was a march in Champaign, and I won't mention the names. Uh, there's a, a, a couple that I know, um, and I may not get this 100% right because it's secondhand information. doesn't matter. It proves my point. And I believe, I know it did happen. I'm just not 100% sure of the wording that was used. They were out to dinner at, uh, at a restaurant downtown Champaign. A march comes through, right? One of these, you know, protest marches or whatever. And a person, as these, this group is walking by, this couple sitting there just in, trying to have dinner or whatever. Uh, to my knowledge, I don't think anything was said or that they did anything or whatever. This march comes through and this person just out of nowhere points at this couple and just basically berates them and cusses at them. For what? 
When you're dealing with people that just have a visceral hatred, it's very hard to reason with those people. The only person that can intervene in that situation or in that person's life is God, God himself. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said they're going to hate you without cause. Sometimes they're not even going to be able to pinpoint or put into words why they hate you, but they do. And why is it? It's because we belong to Jesus. We are not of this world. Spiritually speaking, we are foreigners here. We are aliens here in this world. So the world system, the world's way of thinking, the world's way of doing things is completely against you. All right? But we see Jesus saying, saying later that, don't worry, I have overcome the world. And that's one of his promises to us. Do not worry. Do not be, do be, do not be afraid. I have overcome the world. Um, then turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Well, you've got it right there, hopefully, on your phone. 1 Corinthians 1 and chapter 18. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. There are so many times when people that are quote-unquote intelligent, educated, supposedly educated people, say some of the dumbest things. The world hates us and thinks we are just simple-minded people because we believe in Jesus, because we believe in the Word of God and what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. The fact that God spoke the spoke reality into existence, our reality into existence, spoke the world and the universe into existence, and people call us stupid, right? And yet the same people spout off some of the craziest, goofiest things ever, and that, this, that's one of the passages that constantly is coming to my mind. Uh, thinking themselves wise, they become fools. It's like, that is, I'm just, it just amazes me. It absolutely amazes me. And yet we're simple people, right? But because of who we belong to, because of the faith that we espouse and share and speak out, hopefully you're speaking out your faith and sharing your faith and living out your faith, because of this, they think we're foolish. They think it's foolish to believe in an almighty God. They think it's foolish to believe in a, in a, in a, in a, a sovereign God who loves us and who, who through Jesus Christ, has, has brought us back to himself. The whole message of the gospel is absolutely foolish to some people who are perishing. Who are perishing? They cannot connect with it. They cannot understand it. It is only an act of God. It is only a move of the Spirit in their lives that's going to help that to click in them. That's where we come in. We live it out. We speak it out. And we pray over those people that we come into contact with and ask God to open their eyes. Okay? And the last verse I'm going to share with you tonight, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 15. <clears throat> Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. Now let me stop right there for a quick second. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. What does that picture in your mind? Does that elicit any kind of picture in your mind? Or why is that? What do you think it means to be a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God? That's what, yeah, that's, yeah, incense in my head. Or like the, uh, sometimes I think of the burnt offering sacrifices on the altar. In the Old Testament, we see that, right? Is that what you guys, does anybody picture anything else different? Like this, our, our very lives, uh, we are living our lives, or supposed to be living our lives sacrificially for Christ, right? Which is a pleasing aroma, a pleasing fragrance rising up to God. The very fact that the world hates us and that we are pushing through and sharing our faith, this is a, a fragrance, a pleasing fragrance that rises up to God.
<clears throat> oh, sorry, what was I? 15. Here we go. Um, but this fragrance is perceived differently. Now listen to this. This fragrance is perceived differently by those who are perishing, or excuse me, those who are being saved, and by those who are perishing. It's received differently. So this is the same fragrance, the Christ-like fragrance that's rising up. Have you ever, have you ever walked in the kitchen and your mom or dad or grandma or somebody was cooking something, and it was something you didn't like? So to you, the smell was repulsive. Does anybody like tuna? Raise your hand if you like tuna. Raise it high. You should be ashamed of yourself. No. You, do you like the smell of tuna? I mean, if you like it, I'm assuming you like the smell of it, right? It's a pleasing, I bet your cat does. Is anything, you like the smell of it? Maybe that's, a ba- maybe that's a bad example. Okay, how about this? Deviled eggs. Does anybody like deviled eggs? Okay, so do you like the smell of deviled eggs? Okay. I'll just use that as an example. I'm trying to, I could think of other examples, but uh, the smell of deviled eggs. You like deviled eggs, so when you smell it, you're like, oh, this is, man, that's just, that sounds so good. It smells so good. Onions, that's another, that's a good one. Onions. <laughs> if there's something that you like, that you really enjoy eating, so the smell of it just, oh, that smells so good, that's so good. But if it's something that you detest, that you find repulsive, the smell of it just like, oh, my gosh, get that away from me. But it's the same scent, right? But two different people can, can smell that and have two different, completely different reactions to it. This is what we see here. Our lives are a, a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But it says here in the Word that that fragrance is received two different ways. For those who are being saved, for fellow believers, it's like, man, th- this fragrance that you're putting off, this life that you're living for Jesus Christ, man, that draws me to you. That is awesome. Man, I can, I can, I can, I smell what you're putting down. This is great. Let's, let's hang out. Let's talk about the things of God. Let's, let's do this, right? But if it's somebody that's perishing, somebody that does not belong to Jesus Christ, somebody that does not have the Spirit of God living on the inside of them, somebody that has not been forgiven of all their sins, they have a whole different, a whole different view of that, quote-unquote, Christ-like fragrance that you're putting off, okay? That is a cologne that they cannot stand. It literally, I've seen it make people angry. I've seen it make people visceral. They think because you belong to God that you fit into this particular category and they can't stand what you stand for. They can't stand what you believe. They can't stand what you think. They can't stand how you live. They can't stand, they think you're judgmental. Whatever the case is, there's almost a visceral reaction sometimes when people see that you're living for Christ or when they know you're living for Christ. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? You see, we are not like many hucksters who preach for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. So because God is watching us, we are living out for him every single day. We're not fakers, we're not charlatans, we're not people that are just in this for personal gain, or at least we shouldn't be, I hope we're not. And I believe that there is a weeding out going on in our world today. I believe that true believers are being separated out, and people who are not true believers are falling away. I've seen so many people falling away, and I'm talking like famous people, people that I used to look up to. Uh, One of them, I don't even know if I should 
mention names or not. One of them is a very was a very very well known, especially back in the 90s, early 2000s, a very very well known speaker. <laughs> a very well known speaker. Uh, he went on to pastor a huge church out east. Wrote several books. I mean, just man, I really looked up to this guy. Okay, went to a few conferences that he held that he kind of hosted and put on. Just an incredible, incredible example. And here recently, because this is, an, such a, this is such a great example of what we're talking about tonight, because of some pressures brought upon him of things that he had written earlier in his life, and I'm talking like cultural pressure. I'm talking when you feel like friends are pressuring you to do something, this is the way he, this is the way he was, but magnified on a public social scale, okay? He had outrage about something that he had written a while back, uh, like I'm talking 10 or 15, 20 years ago, and he starts to reevaluate what he had written. He goes on this huge, he basically makes an apology documentary about what he had written and how it hurt people and affected people, okay? Take that for what it is. I could go into more detail. I didn't particularly agree. I didn't think he should have to apologize, but that's just me. Anyway, that turned in to not only him apologizing, but starting to like reevaluate even his faith. And then he goes from a guy who was holding huge young adult Christian conferences, pastoring a huge church, writing books, uh, you know, impacting people's lives, to now completely abandoning his faith. Completely. Why? Because of pressure. Because of pressure from the world that makes him, quote-unquote, rethink his faith and abandon it. People couldn't stand what he believed. People couldn't stand the way he lived, what he talked about. And they brought so much pressure on him that he gave it all away. He gave it all up. He gave it all away. I do not know what's going on in his personal life. I don't know what he, how he decided to come to that situation. I don't know if he did it just to make the pressure stop. I have no idea. All I know is that that is one example of many Christian artists and singers that I've heard over the last, even just the last several months, that are like turning away from their faith and all this craziness. People, we are, we are seeing a separation. We are seeing a deeper divide than we ever have before in this world of believers and non-believers. Why do I share this with you? It's not to make you, like, fearful. It's not to be like, oh, that's a pretty positive message, Pastor Matt. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's not that. It's to prepare you for what's coming next. It's to prepare you for what's coming next. I saw a, a pastor posted a video on YouTube and it's getting shared like crazy right now. I just, I just saw it, and I'm not going to go into detail about what the video is about. If you want to ask me about it, I'll, ch I'll tell you after service. Uh, but he's essentially, he had a dream in December, and a lot of what he had a dream about came true in March through June with all the craziness going on with the coronavirus and riots and all this crazy. He saw that. So he had, another, he had two more dreams here recently, and he's like, they followed along very, very closely with what the, his first dream was about, and it came to pass. This one he talked about coming up here in the next few months, several months. And why do I bring that up? Because it was worse. He's basically saying, without all the details, basically saying, brace yourself, it's going to get worse. So what I'm telling you is, as a believer in Jesus Christ, two things, two things to start with. Number one, you better be real sure about where you stand because you are going to get pushed off of that pedestal quickly if you don't. Number two, 
Brace yourself. We live in a world that is full of violence and chaos, and it's not getting any better. As a matter of fact, Jesus promised us, man, we're going to have trials. You're going to have, you're going to have, it's going to be rough sometimes, but I have overcome the world. So when we belong to him, we overcome with him, through him, and by him. We are also overcomers because we belong to Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Do you know that? Do you understand that? Because you're going to be tested on that. You're going to be tested on that. In the coming months and years in your life, as this world continues to get crazier and crazier and crazier, we are all going to be tested and pushed and squeezed. Are you going to be a believer that maintains your faith in who God is and what he has done for you? Or are you going to be a believer that gives it up so you can be back part of that friend group, the world? So that you can have the benefits of being part of that friend, friend group, the world. Status, popularity, no pressure. We don't want anybody coming down on us for what I believe, so I'm not even going to talk about it anymore. I'm not going to pretend. That I'm, not gonna, I'm just not doing it anymore. I don't want that pressure anymore. I don't want people making fun of me. I don't want people questioning my beliefs. Right? Because I've had friends before. Like, I know what I believe. I'm not always real good at putting it into words right? But I know what I believe. I know why I believe it. And I, I really work hard to try to be able to justify that, not justify, but to, to uh, properly describe those beliefs and why I believe them to somebody who is not a believer, right? But I've had people that make me feel about this small for believing what I believe. And when somebody is really pushing you and pushing your beliefs and trying to get you to stumble on your wording or whatever, Sometimes you can back off and say, well, just, you know, I don't want to talk about it anymore. You know what I'm saying? Because you feel about that small. You feel inadequate to describe your faith. You feel inadequate to, to properly tell them why you believe what you believe. So what I'm telling you tonight is know that the world is not going to get any rosier, okay? We are quickly headed towards the last days. We are in the last days, but we are quickly headed towards the culmination of those last days. It is your generation, our generation, our kids' generations that's going to be experiencing this. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's I'm, like I said, I'm not trying to paint this glim picture, whatever, but I'm just saying be prepared, okay? Know that you're not going to make friends with the world. There's going to be a deeper divide than there ever has been between the world and between God's people. You need to decide which line, which side of that divide that you are going to be on, Okay? Because the world is not going to all of a sudden just start loving you again as a believer, as a Christian. The world is out to get us, okay? There are times when we're going to have a little bit easier path, and there are times when it's going to be a lot harder. But either way, we need to be prepared. We need to know and understand what we believe and why we believe it. We need to know that the world does not look at us like rational people. It looks at us like fools. We need to know and understand that the world is not going to accept us for who we are until we abandon our faith. Does that make sense? So I want you guys to know that, understand and be prepared. But most of all, know that Jesus Christ has overcome the world. He has overcome the world. And because of him, we are overcomers. We can overcome anything that is thrown against us. We might lose everything, but we will never lose Jesus Christ. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will always have our backs. He will always watch over us. He will always be with us. Because he even said in his word, he will never leave us nor forsake us. He will never abandon us. 
we always have Jesus with us, his presence with us in our lives. So we may lose it all, but they can never take that away from us. Okay? And hopefully, by the life that you live, you'll be that sweet-smelling aroma, that fragrance, that Christ-like fragrance, and you can be the reason God is able to open somebody's eyes to the truth of the gospel, to what he has done for them, how he has saved them and set them free from sin, death, destruction. So it's something for all of us to think about tonight. Which side of that divide are we going to be on? What are we going to do? What are we willing to do and give up to be part of that friend group that we don't want to feel left out of? Am I tired of getting made fun of by comedians on late night TV so I decide to hide my Christianity, hide my faith, or abandon it altogether? Make a decision. We've got things we have to decide because there's challenges and tests coming that we need to be ready for. All right? But know this, that Jesus loves you, he's with you, he is for you, he will propel you through all of this, but we must hold firm to him, stand firmly on the foundation of Jesus Christ, and we'll ride any storm, we'll make through any storm. Amen? All right, let's go ahead, I'm going to close out in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the warnings that you give us, not because you want to scare us, but because you want to let us know what is coming our way. You want to prepare us and help us to be prepared, Father God. So we thank you for that. We thank you for your power in our lives. We thank you for your presence in our lives, emboldening us, strengthening us, preparing us, Father. As we walk with you, Lord, there will be rough paths ahead. But we know that we can lean on you and trust in you no matter Father God, thank you so much for your word, for your promises, and for your faithfulness to those promises in our lives. Will you help us each and every day, Father God, to be that Christ-like fragrance rising up to you? Will you help us to boldly walk out our faith every single day? Will you help us, Father God, to be the reason someone's eyes are opened up to the things of God, to the gospel, and to the saving grace that you give us through Jesus Christ, that you have shown us through Jesus Christ? Will you help us to be that eye-opening experience for somebody each and every moment we possibly can? And we thank you for all of that. We thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you for your never-ending love for us. And we thank you, Father God, for the grace that you have shed abroad in our hearts. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. All right, love you guys.